What is up, everyone? This is Alex Lieberman, co-founder and CEO of Morning Brew. Welcome back to Founders Journal, my personal audio diary, where I give you, the business builder, the tools you need to think better in order to build better, whether that's building a business, a team, or a new product. March 14th, 2015, the first Morning Brew newsletter was sent out by Austin Reef and myself to 1,500 students at the University of Michigan. Fast forward, March 14th, 2021, Morning Brew is a full-fledged media brand with an audience of 3 million, seven products, and a nearly 90-person team. As the brew turns six this week, there is no better time to reflect on this crazy journey. So what we're going to do is honor the brew's six-year anniversary with my six biggest lessons that I have learned while building this business. Let's hop into it. What else is there to say then entrepreneurship has been the most humbling experience of my life. It has been incredibly fulfilling doing the work that I love with really smart people every single day, but it has been extremely challenging mentally and emotionally. And whenever something is challenging, that is generally prime real estate for learning valuable and sometimes hard lessons. The first big lesson that I have learned while building the brew is just how bad we are at predicting time. I'm not sure if it's because we as entrepreneurs overestimate our abilities or underestimate the time it takes to complete something, but everything always takes longer than you want or expect when building a company. The best example of this is the original Morning Brew investor deck when we were raising money. In 2017, when Austin and I were fundraising for Morning Brew, we had a 16-slide deck that we'd share with investors. Aside from the fact that it was just a really ugly deck, slide nine was titled Business Plan, and it walked prospective investors through all of the things that we wanted to accomplish in the following year, 2018. The first thing was enhancing our content and brand by hiring a head of content, upgrading our branding, redesigning the newsletter, and redesigning our website. The second thing on the roadmap was extending content and growing community by testing events, launching guides, podcasts, and longer form content. The third was becoming an established multi-platform media brand by developing multiple content verticals, building an ad sales team, and building a tech team. Fourth was monetizing our reader base through advertising, sponsored content, premium offerings, events, and merchandise. And fifth was creating educational content for B2C and B2B audiences. Let's fast forward. It is literally four years after we made this deck and that we promised this business plan to be executed in 2018, and we still haven't finished the business plan. It really is striking how similar this original plan is to where we want the business to ultimately go, but we still haven't gotten there. We have hired a head of content. We have upgraded our branding. We have gotten into podcasts. We built an ad sales team, but we're still in the process of doing so many of the things on the original business plan, redesigning our site, launching events, launching an educational offering, making money outside of advertising. Obviously, this is the most extreme example of misjudging the time it takes to execute on a plan. And obviously, we've learned a lot as entrepreneurs since then, but predicting how long things take is really, really difficult. 
the way that we try and mitigate that gap in expectation and reality today is by being just more proactive and accounting for unexpected things to happen. We are now building hiring plans for the next six months. Back in the day, it was, we said we need to hire someone now and then we go and hire them. We are now creating quarterly goals that keep us on track to hit a one-year plan. And the biggest thing, honestly, is just experience. We have precedent to reference. So if we're doing something for the fourth or fifth time, we use our previous experiences as a guide for how long things will take. Lesson number two, there is little that is more detrimental to a business than mishiring. It is so bad for business. And in some cases, it can actually kill a business. If you have hired the wrong person, especially a senior person who wields a lot of power. This has been one of the biggest blind spots for Austin and I as young entrepreneurs. I don't think we realized, especially in the early days of the business, just how important hiring is, just how hard it is to know if the hire will work out, and just how much your business will be running in place on a treadmill when you've made a bad hire. I want to just dive into why a mishire is so detrimental because I don't think we generally think about all of the reasons. First, it's bad for progress. If you hire someone who doesn't have the right experience, everything will take them longer because they're doing it for the first time. Or if you hire someone who doesn't have the right work ethic or commitment, everything will take longer because they're not a smart worker. As I mentioned in the first lesson, as you grow as an entrepreneur, you get better at being more proactive around when to hire in order to stay on timeline. But that all assumes that you'll be making a quality hire who will work at the pace and the quality that you estimate. If you made the wrong hire, that timeline completely breaks down and your business moves forward way slower than you had ever hoped. And by the way, this is accentuated as your mishire gets more and more senior. Given that senior people manage teams and they set direction, their actions dictate the actions of others. So if they're slow to, let's say, set strategy or slow to hire, that will hinder the progress of an entire part of the organization, not just a specific project that, say, a a junior employee would be working on. So the first is the impact on progress. The second is the impact on culture. Entrepreneurs forget to realize how bad mishires can be for culture. If the mishire was a bad hire because they're not a good cultural fit, then people in the company are just not going to enjoy spending time with them several hours a day. If the mishire was a bad hire because they're not the right person for the role, then people in the company will just question their abilities and question your abilities as a hiring manager for making the decision to bring them on board. You can always assume that if you start to doubt the fit of someone that you've hired, several other people who worked closer and more frequently with that person have had those doubts for some time. So that's the impact on culture. And then it can also be bad for your psyche. There is nothing worse for a founder's mental state than the no-win scenario of making a bad hire. And that's just because it's never as clean as realizing that someone is not a fit and then just firing them the next day. It never works that way. Mishiring is a slow and painful grind. The first few months, they're getting up to speed. Then you start seeing some early glimpses of them not being a fit that concern you, but you chalk it up to them being new and they're just learning the ropes. Then finally, three to four months in, you realize that they're definitely not a fit, but you can't just fire them. You put them on a performance improvement plan. 
You provide active feedback to them in one-on-ones and you try to help them turn a corner. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. And finally, six months in, after a few months of doing all you can to set them up for success, you realize it's not working and you have to have the hard conversation of letting them go. No matter how many times you have done this, that process is taxing on any founder and any manager. You're always vacillating between dreading having the hard conversation with them and dreading having the business suffer or move slower because they're not the right one. If there's anything you take from this episode, I cannot emphasize how important it is to take hiring as seriously as humanly possible when you're building. Next, lesson three. Expectation setting is everything. Expectation setting makes or breaks an employee's experience at a company. The scary part is it's so important, but I don't think entrepreneurs realize how often they are actually setting expectations for their teams. When someone asks you in an interview what the culture is like at your company and you answer that question, you have set an expectation. When I step up in front of the company and I talk about where we are going and what things will look like a year from now, I've set an expectation. A job description is an expectation that has been set for a potential employee. When a manager and their direct report talk about the employee's trajectory and when they'll be up for a promotion, that is setting an expectation. And what's dangerous about setting expectations is that they are really, really easy to do. There's no immediate impact from setting them or setting them improperly, but the long-term ramifications can be brutal. And to be honest with you, we've had people leave our business because expectations weren't properly set. This is an especially common problem for first-time managers. Just like in a first relationship, first-time managers want to make sure that they are the best manager possible. And unfortunately, one of the ways that they do this is by making big, lofty promises about promotions, compensation, and other things like that, even if it's not a realistic expectation to set. This is something for you to keep an eye on if you're a first-time manager, or if you've hired or promoted a first-time manager and they're most at risk of improperly setting expectations. The fourth big lesson in the Brew's six years of business is decisions. In decision-making, right and wrong is far less important than why or why not. In business, you quickly find that there are very few decisions that you make that are so clearly right or so clearly wrong. Most of your existence as a professional sits in this kind of murky middle. And the way you thrive there is not by trying to argue for what is right or what is wrong, but more so taking into account what is the trade-off or opportunity cost of every decision that you can make. I'm just going to use an example from Morning Brew for a second. As I've said in past episodes, Morning Brew is launching a paid offering. It is an eight-week educational course that serves to accelerate the careers of modern business leaders. Like most decisions, arguments could be made for why we should or shouldn't have built this product. The should side would say, hey, Morning Brew serves as this great place to educate professionals. This furthers that goal. It's a way to diversify revenue. And it could be this really interesting wedge into building out a whole portfolio of educational products. The shouldn't side would say, our advertising business is crushing it and we should triple down on that. So this would be a distraction. A general business program will be hard to deliver really tangible value because it's not something that teaches a very specific skill. And there's just a lot of competition out there in the world of online education. 
as you can see, there are good arguments for both. And so the way we made this decision and most decisions in the business is by understanding what is the opportunity cost of whatever decision we make. Turning your default brain as a builder to trade-offs versus right or wrong is a really important change of mindset. Time for the fifth biggest lesson, building Morning Brew. And that lesson is to quickly learn what you are exceptional at so you can outsource everything that you're not exceptional at. At the end of the day, you as a builder are going to be great at one or two things. Other than that, there's always going to be someone better than you to do the things you're not great at. Let's use me as an example. I am great at storytelling and I am great at thinking creatively. Beyond that, there is someone better. So throughout the life of Morning Brew, we have found ways to take me away from the things that are not storytelling or thinking creatively as quickly as possible. And that's why in the early days of the business, that meant me focusing on content and sales while Austin, my co-founder, focused on growth, technology, and finance. Today, that means me spending time on new products in the business, culture, sales, and creating content like I'm doing now. And for the longest time, I resisted giving up the things that I'm not best in class at. And it's just that competitive nature in me that wants to be great at everything. But that's not efficient, and it's not what always is best for the business. Once I let go, it provided the space needed to hire great people into the spots that weren't Austin or my superpowers. Last but not least, the sixth biggest lesson in my six years of Morning Brew, and that is curiosity. Curiosity is the CEO's guiding light. When people ask me what ties together the most successful people I've ever met, it's always the same answer. They are so incredibly curious. Curiosity is what allows you to adapt. Curiosity keeps your brain working so you don't get complacent when business is doing well. Curiosity leads to serendipity, like getting passionate about a new idea, finding a new business opportunity for your existing business, or meeting someone valuable to add to your network. Curiosity also leads you to being a deep generalist, which is a huge asset as a builder. What I mean by that is, Society has long encouraged specialization over generalization. But the more time I spend in entrepreneurship, the more I believe that becoming well-versed in many things is more valuable than being an expert in one thing. One example that I think of is Patrick Collison, the CEO of Stripe. Patrick, originally from Ireland, he's 32, and he's running a $95 billion payments company. And what I've always been most impressed with about Patrick is his range. Patrick is exceptional at speaking deeply about many different contexts. In his recent interview with Ben Thompson, he went deep into talking about the history of private companies acting neutral and apolitical, and he referenced the progressive era in 1900. And then in another interview that he did, I think two weeks prior, I saw him talk about how excited he is about the progress in biology and understanding RNA and neurons at a deeper level. All of this to say that like Patrick is a software guy at heart, like that was his first love. Patrick is an extreme case, but I am such a firm believer that the most successful entrepreneurs are the most curious people who love going deep in many things and then finding connections between seemingly disconnected topics. And there you have it, folks. Those are the six lessons in six years of running Morning Brew. To recap, number one, things always take longer than you predict. Number two, Nothing is more detrimental to a business than making a bad hire. 
Number three, expectation setting is everything and people are generally bad at it, especially first-time managers. Number four, most decisions you make aren't right or wrong. It's more about the trade-offs being made. Number five, understand your superpowers and outsource everything else to others. Number six, curiosity is the best guiding light for entrepreneurs and builders. I am so incredibly thankful for what this journey has been for the last six years, and I can't wait for whatever the next six years hold for me as a brewer and for all of the builders in this community. Thank you for listening to the episode. If you want to show support for the pod, leave a review on Apple Podcasts for Founders Journal. It is the number one way to grow listeners of a podcast. Thank you so much in advance, and I'll catch you all next episode. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.